Carolina Contractors Show. And uh, we are, it's uh, sponsored by SureTop Roofing. You can reach them at uh, 270-9292 or, or you can get them online at SureTopRoofing.com and also the CarolinaContractor.com website also that's something new got uh, donnie blanchard here with us so how are you today sir I'm doing great i'll tell you about how that came to be we are doing a similar show in the raleigh market on a station that isn't available around here and they uh, required me to have something where listeners could submit questions and i think up until now we've been just doing that through our sure top roofing website and that worked great but this is a neat way where our blog and everything that we talk about is usually traced back to the website and it just makes it a little easier for our listeners okay all right well great so you got a, a special guest here with I you do, today. I do, I do. We brought in Christopher Mackins. He works with us at SureTop, and Christopher is our technical guru guy. And, and we've had a lot of good questions since we've been doing the show. And I can explain most of these things, but uh, Christopher is my walking handbook guy, and uh, I thought it would be wise for me to get him on the air. And, um, you know, he's he's as busy as anybody, but uh, I can't get the guy to take a day off to, to come in here and, and volunteer 30 minutes because he's on the go always, but today is actually his birthday, so oh. instead of taking the day off, we're, we're moseying into the studio, and anyway, thanks for coming in, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me here, and uh, thank you. Yeah, today's my birthday. Today's my 40th birthday, and um, you know, it's it's something special to be able to be on the air today just for that because first time I've ever done that, so it's really neat. Oh, so. You don't look a day over twenty five. Well, I appreciate it. That's oh. what I that's what I told my daughter that I was twenty five, and she believed me. And <laughs> she was running around the house saying, "Oh, Daddy's going to be twenty five. Daddy's going to be twenty five. So she woke me up this morning with a song. So that was a great birthday. So oh. thank you for that. That's great. That's great. Where's that? So you're buying lunch for him today, at uh, least. Oh, a- absolutely. At absolutely. Least. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We normally do lunch after the show, and then. These guys give me a good critique of maybe what we missed out on and uh, something we could have added. So he and um, the guy he works with every day are my, my brain trust. And uh, tried to get them both on here, but somebody had to do some work today. Well, yeah. <laughs> Got to pay the bills. Okay. Um, so this isn't, a, this isn't a topic today that I thought we should start out with. This isn't something that somebody submitted via email like we normally do. But, um, you know, we get a lot of questions in the field about roof ventilation and um, – you know, it's, it's probably the most important thing to consider when you're going up against a warranty, and I thought I'd bring Chris in to, to dive into the roof ventilation. Absolutely. So we, we get a lot of questions about roof ventilation, and it's, it's very important. Um, some of the main reasons that it's important to have a good ventilation system for your attic space is to reduce heat and moisture in your attic space, and it can also help to prevent ice damming. So, like, heat is going to radiate from your house into the attic space and it's going to cause extra pressure on both your HVAC system and your pocketbook. It's going to end up damaging wood framing in your attic space. Your roof deck is going to delaminate. You'll see peeling paint on the outside of your house and your roof deck can reach like 170 degrees. I mean it's very hot. So you can imagine what that's going to do inside your attic space and to your shingles. So it's going to also reduce the life of your shingles. Then with hot air, you're going to get moisture, and moisture is going to do the exact same thing, but just from a different angle. So it's going to damage your woodwork, your framing, your roof deck. It's going to also reduce your R value from where moisture drips down onto your insulation, and it will that will eventually lead to mold and mildew. So, when do you normally see? Uh, what's a common case that you see when you come up to a house and you say, "Hey, I, I suspect this is going to have poor ventilation." So there's a lot of different styles of homes. Uh, a large range of years that houses have been built in this area. And so you're, you're going to see very varying 
types of ventilation systems. You're going to see new ventilation systems put on old ventilation systems, things that counteract each other. A very common style of home that you see here is the single-level ranch-style home. That home was built with no soffit ventilation and no ridge ventilation. It relied on gable ventilation. That worked perfectly. Um, you see people put ridge vents on top of that, and that can counteract. New construction would require ridge vents and continuous soffit vents. So every situation is going to be a little bit different specific to your house, your build, the code that was there whenever the house was constructed. I may be getting ahead of you here, but what is the – so? How does it work with um, with the gable vent not jiving with the ridge vent? And I know it's a scenario that you probably run into a lot where it's either it's not either or or both and. How, how does that work with all these options? So the gable vent system is a passive system. The ridge vent system is a passive system. They they operate independently of each other. A ridge vent system requires soffit ventilation, and air is going to move in from your eave and then out of your ridge. Uh, a gable vent system, air is going to move from one side of your house to the other. Both require pressure from one side to the other. And if you install one on top of each other, that's going to reduce the pressure that th- from side to side because there's a ridge vent, and it's going to reduce the pressure up or down because there's side-to-side ventilation. And so they just counteract each other, stifling the air in the attic space. Right. So if you've got a gable vent and you also have a ridge vent on that house, the, the hot air that escapes out of the ridge vent is just coming straight in from the gables. It's really not ventilating the, bo- the bottom cubic footage of your attic. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, what are the options to vent a roof? So if somebody walks outside, they look up at their house, and they say, gee whiz, I don't think I have any ventilation at all. What, what can they do about it? So there's a handful of different options, and, again, everything is going to be based on the specifics. You're going to look at what type of intake is available, and then you're going to go from there relative to the intake that you have. So the easiest thing to do is if you have an attic space and you have limited ventilation and you can get into the attic, you can install an attic fan. You can install electric attic fans or solar attic fans. Awesome. Awesome. I think we got a call. Okay. Here we go. Good morning. Welcome to our program. Yes, good morning. I have two questions here. Uh, in your program last week, uh, the subject of encapsulating a crawl space was brought up, and I thought I understood uh, the individual to say, the, the contractor to say, uh, that that was now a requirement in the uh, building codes. Is, is that correct? Would I hear that correctly? No, sir. That's not a requirement. It, it's, an, it's totally optional. It's just, uh, I would say, recommended but not required. Yes, sir. I was just interested in that because I had it done to my home about uh, – uh, three years ago, and I, I liked that very much. It was expensive or whatever, but it got rid of a lot of problems. It really did. Right. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, I have another question. Okay. Uh, I have in my attic uh, two attic fans in the in the roof, and uh, I've heard different variations of this. In other words, I've had people to say that you really don't need to have that in the roof because it's better to have the air coming through the soffits, the you know, or whatever, and just going straight out of the roof or whatever uh, in the top there. Uh, that, that otherwise, if you're running the fans, that it's really sh- uh, disturbing that flow and causing a lot of the hot air to stay in the attic instead of escape. What are your thoughts about that? Yes, sir. That can absolutely be the case. And again, it depends on the specific configuration that you have at your house. But if you assume that you have a standard looking house that has fully vented soffit at the top and a ridge vent at the at or soffit at the bottom and a ridge vent at the top, then your attic fan is absolutely going to counteract that system. 
Okay, I wonder about it. Thank you, sir. Maybe I'll have to pull the switch on that. And I don't have any, you know, a lot of houses, when they're built on the ends of the house, they'll have, I think you call it the gables, they'll have vents there. I don't have mm-hmm. that. So that was my concern as to whether I needed to have those those fans. So you don't, you don't recommend that then, having those fans running? No, sir. And, again, just, you know, give us a call at SureTop, and we'll come out and take a look at you and let you know, you know, what what type of situation you have going on if there's and, any And what, is, what is your telephone calls. number, sir? That's two seven zero nine two nine two. Of course, that's three three six. I couldn't hear you. What I said the three three six two seven zero. Right. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. your help. Thanks for calling. Thank okay. you for thanks for your call. And we got another call here. Good morning. Welcome to our program. Yes, I've got a question. Uh, some years ago, I did a room addition. It was a modified timber frame, and we used SIPs, or actually, we did the. the Two by six framing, and uh, put the icing blown in mm-hmm. foam insulation in mm-hmm. it, and then a half inch OSB on it, and then put a metal roof on it. Ooh, sounds good. The um, we're having a problem with leakage, and when I checked it out, the closures that we put in under the ridge cap. Mm-hmm. On the sunny side of the house, it actually melted and run out. Have you ran into that before, or have they changed the material they make the closures out of to withstand the high temperatures? Wow, no, I have never seen that. But um, yeah, that the the material we use now is like a foam material, and they have inside and outside closures. But um, that they should not have melted out. I don't know if that was like a rubber instead of a foam-based product, or if they just used something as a makeshift. To, to just close that space off under the ridge vent. But, um, yes, sir, that, that shouldn't be happening. If you want to give us a call at the office or go through our website, maybe uh, we could come out and take a look for you. But it sounds like the room addition worked great. Those structural insulated panels or SIPs that you mentioned, I'm a, a big fan of those. Um, and uh, they, I guess if it's an addition, it's probably more insulated than the, the rest of the house, I would guess. Well, I got the closures from the same uh manufacturer that manufactured the metal down in Ashbury, and I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. I do. Yes, sir. Should I just contact them and see it was a foam closure um, that we've used numerous times, and I've never had that problem before, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just wondering, you know, uh, like it only done it on one side of the house, and that's where it was getting the most direct sun I would, on it. I would definitely and, contact uh, them. Like I say, I'd never run into it before, and I just uh, curious if anybody else that uh, specialized in roofing had run into it before. No, sir, definitely unique. Um, I, I would say to contact them, and no more expensive than those closure strips are. They should honor that and, and just give you new closure strips to put back in, in place there. Well, I think what I'm going to do is take the cap off and get a, a wider cap. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I didn't know if maybe I should leave the closures out so it could actually vent some out and, and then have the wider closure that uh, hopefully wouldn't allow the so, blowing rain or whatever to get up under it. What you said is probably the key. In sight unseen, I would diagnose this as they probably sold you solid closure strips. They have vented and solid, same as you would do for overhangs on a soffit. But you want to get vented closure strips for sure. But you want to put something in there. Uh, you don't want to leave that space open. You're asking for trouble from water, uh, insects, anything like that. And um, underneath a nice metal ridge cap is a good place to build a nest. So definitely okay. go back with a closure strip, even if you do the wider ridge cap. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Okay. It's good questions there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, yeah, that's good to hear that somebody referenced the crawl space from last week. And I like when I talk about something on here, somebody says, hey, I actually did it, and I'm happy with it. So mm-hmm. that, that's pretty gratifying. But uh, to jump back on this, I think we covered the ridge vent and why it's important, um, how you can do the ridge vent. And um, is uh, we this is a question we did get is, is the roof ventilation required by local building code? And um, this kind of falls back into, into my court here. Um, when we apply for a blueprint, or for, I'm sorry, when we apply for a permit, we have to submit blueprints. And in that process, when I used to draw my own plans for these houses, they would require me to do a uh, square inch calculation. And what you have to show is the ratio of square inches of intake, which is the soffit that Christopher just mentioned, versus the square inches of exhaust, which is where you, you know, where the air escapes out of whatever type of ridge vent that you choose. So the answer to that question is definitely um, new homes shouldn't be, shouldn't have any problems venting the roof. And, and that, that is a fail safe that the building inspections department puts in place before the process ever gets started. Okay. Yes. The design of that makes it to where with a fully vented soffit, your intake is going to exceed the ridge, which is your exhaust. And that's going to force the air in and out. And it's going to move the hot, moist air in your attic. It's going to replace it with cooler, drier air. And that exchange is just going to happen continuously, whether it's hot, cold, day or night. I think the easy math is about a two to one ratio. Is that right, Chris? It's, it should be that it will always exceed. So if right. you if you use a continuous soffit with a continuous ridge, you should have, in most cases, soffit on both sides mm-hmm. with one ridge vent, and so then that, that matches it up. Double the soffit, right, right. Um, I want to throw this in there. If you go in your attic today and you say, I, I need to look at it from inside to tell how it's ventilated and you can't really determine anything by a walk around on the exterior, uh, one thing I tell people is baffles should be in place. This is a foam, a piece of foam. It looks like egg crate almost, and the insulation company usually puts that in after the house is framed, or if they say that you have blown in insulation in your attic, that blown in insulation should not go out into the overhangs. So your soffit area should be clear. We see a lot of that um, where there's a, a house that was built in, say, the 60s. You On the, the outside, the exterior, it looks like it's a vented soffit that's been vinyl installed over top of wood. Ridge vent has been installed. And then in the attic space, the blown insulation is blown beyond the wall of the house, completely covering the eaves. And there's no ventilation at all, even though it looks like it is from the outside of the house. Yep, definitely important thing to check. And that's a pretty easy fix if, if that's your ventilation issue. And uh, I want to mention, too, that I put a couple of really good illustrations up. If you check us out at... Uh, thecarolinacontractor.com it has a link to our blog where the pictures are posted and it gives you a really good visual of what we just mentioned with the roof ventilation okay okay uh what what is the right way maybe to and all all houses are not just uh two two uh halves of roof there there are some interesting designs and stuff like that but what is the right way to cut a valley so that's correct. There's there's numerous styles of home. And when you come with valleys, you're going to talk about there's different types of shingles and then different types of valley applications. The valley application is going to match the shingle. And so there's three-tab shingles, architectural shingles, and then there's designer shingles that people are starting to install in their house more and more frequently today. So the the correct answer is that I can't give you an exact answer. I have to know exactly what <laughs> shingle you have, and then I can match up what is the best valley. And then you can talk about aesthetics. I like the way this valley looks over this valley. But the most common valley is called a closed-cut valley, and the, that's for a 
architectural shingle. You see a laced valley that's installed for three tab shingles. You, I don't like to see a laced valley on architectural shingles. Some manufacturers allow it. I prefer that you use a closed cut valley. And a closed cut valley allows you to have one layer of shingle bridge the valley. And so over the time of the, the life of the roof, that is not going to be susceptible to damage because it's going to be able to sink down into the valley as opposed to creating this large bridge of a shingle and a gap with a void behind the shingle. Okay. When he says a bridge on the valley, um, when we, we we hear a common called a laced or a weaved valley, and those don't they don't they don't void a warranty by a manufacturer or anything. But if I can paint you this picture, um, I'm 225 pound guy, and when I walk on a roof, I'm gonna I'm gonna aim for that valley because I have a place to put my hands. You know, your feet can grip a little bit better. Definitely the safest place for sure. And if you walk up a valley, which is if your roof ever has to be accessed, that I guarantee you that's where they're gonna go. Um, so for, you know, inspections or replacement or anything, um, if someone walks on that closed-cut valley, if you can imagine these shingles being weaved together, each course that goes up lays on top of the next course. And what that does is, when Christopher mentioned a bridge, it holds the shingles up off of the plywood beneath by, say, an inch, inch and a half or so. And you don't see that from the outside, but if I put my heel on that shingle, there's a good chance that I'm going to go straight through it. So you're asking for a leak problem, and I think that's why the manufacturer's are steering people towards this closed cut that Christopher just mentioned. And uh, to be honest, the, we're so used to the closed cut because all the major manufacturers recommend that. I, I just can't see doing it any other way. And um, I think it looks really good. I, I tell people it looks almost like a miter cut on trim when they put a 90-degree cut together, and everybody seems to be a big fan. Makes a very clean line. And with the most common shingles that are installed today, like the Timberline HD shingles from GAF, if you're looking at it in the, the chart, the open valley is available, and that's, a, that's a, a valley that shows exposed copper. The close-cut valley is available. The woven valley is not. And so that is for your – you're always going to want to check with the, that your valley matches to the warranty level that you're trying to get. And so it's, it's always just a, a hit or miss. You have to know what shingle it is, what valley you want, what warranty level you have, and the aesthetics for the homeowner. Okay. What, what do you do on a designer, Chris? It depends. Um, it, so some designer shingles you're going to allow for a closed-cut valley. Some designer shingles are going to mandate that you have an open valley. In that case, you'd most likely have a copper or a coated metal. Okay. So you're talking about, uh, you know, like you say, a miter cut. And underneath, is there something underneath that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. That, uh, so when the when the roof is completely exposed and the roof deck is open, the ice and water sh- ice and water shield gets installed in a valley first, and that goes under all of your valleys, whether it's a closed cut valley, a woven valley. That's something that we install. Not all roofers do that. Make sure that that's something that the the roofer that you're talking to does install. So that goes down first, and then with the closed cut valley, it's it's a little bit difficult to explain without a visual representation, but. The smaller slope shingles underlap the larger slope shingles, and then we we make a clean seam cut on that, and it looks like it's a miter cut, but it's actually kind of a triple layer protection on that valley. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Are there are there pictures somewhere that we no, can? I didn't put a picture up of that, but if people want to check in, uh, maybe after lunch, I'll post something up there that gives a couple of examples of this. Okay. Yep. That sounds sounds very interesting. Sound, I like uh, I like that miter cut look. Yep. Well, yeah, it's all about knowing what you're looking at, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, is there uh, a cost difference between the the three tab and the architectural shingles? Is it is it worth going one way or the other? So there is a cost difference, and and every situation is different. Um, for most people, I believe that there 
the best bet is to buy the architectural shingle. It's pennies on the dollar difference, but the difference between the shingles, a three-tab shingle is going to have a 65-mile-an-hour wind rating, where an architectural shingle, the way that we install it, is going to have a 130-mile-an-hour wind rating. The standard warranty term on a three-tab shingle is going to be a 25-year shingle and a three-year non-prorated period, whereas the warranty on a architectural shingle is going to be a lifetime shingle with a 50-year non-prorated period. And so it's well more than double the shingle for just pennies on the dollar more. So in most cases, it's recommended to, to go with the architectural shingle, and it will save money over the long term as well. And it, it looks better, too. Absolutely. It, it, it's uh, not just the flat roof. You, Absolutely. You, it, it brings up the value of your home. Have you seen, have you seen a, uh, people selling their homes and that sort of thing? It's having you know, the architectural look oh, at, yeah. and matching the rest of the house and that sort of thing. It right. would, would uh, increase the, the value of the house. I think um, realtors throw out there that it adds 7% right off the gate to the, the property value. So, I mean, talking a couple $300,000, that's a, that's a big number. So mm-hmm. um, I think that you can invest in getting the roof replaced before you put something on the market, you know, you get that money back and then some. It definitely uh, improves the curb appeal. People talk about curb appeal all the time. And when you're looking at the house, you have kind of three layers of what you're going to see from that front elevation. You're going to have landscaping, the facade of the house, and then every house is different, but some houses you're going to see a lot of roof. And so to have that new roof up there is a really nice selling feature, just much kind of an advertisement when you're selling the house to say, hey, look, I've invested in the house. I've taken care of the property, and you can see it from a mile away. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Well, what if uh, now we're getting into uh, spring weather, and uh, we're susceptible here. We've had it before. We're going to have it again. Uh, Hailstorm. What should we check to see if we we have damage to, uh, I guess, the roof or the rest of the property? Because if it's blowing... It's gonna it's gonna hit siding and all kinds of things. Oh yeah, I'll let Chris take this one, but I want to throw this disclaimer out there. If we have a hailstorm and you're well aware and you see it on your deck or outside your house, you know that's that's legitimate. We tell everybody document that. You know, throw a tape measure out there or a dollar bill or a quarter, something like that, so you can reference the size of that hail while it's still fresh on the ground because it's gonna melt away usually within an hour or so. And um, another thing, if somebody tells you you have hail damage, run because these storm chasers are out there and this is their time of the year to shine. Uh, if they have tags that are out of state and and or if they just come knock on your door, what they call canvassing, it's actually illegal, but a lot of people still do it. If somebody knocks on your door and says, hey, you've got hail damage, you need to call an insurance claim, and you don't know those folks from Adam, definitely run from those type of people because not only will they – they're not local, but uh, after the hailstorm passes and they get a they, – they hit – you know, 30, 40, 50 houses, they're out of here. So, mm-hmm. you know, your warranty is just about as good as that. Yeah, so. and the, the, the kind of roof they're going to put on there is probably uh, about as uh, warrantied as they are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we find out, too, where we're certified with all the major manufacturers, they don't have certification. So when Christopher just mentioned that 50-year warranty, which is the strongest roof warranty that there's ever been, the catch to that is that whoever installs that roof has to be certified by that manufacturer, and they put us through all the training. They vet us on so many levels that they've done – a lot of the homework that most homeowners would have to do for them. So mm-hmm. that's uh, but you want to tell them what, what to look for, Chris? Absolutely. So yeah, do, like Donnie said, document anything that you see. If, if somebody comes to your door and says that you have storm damage, um, tell them you'll get back in touch with them. Talk, talk to your neighbors and stuff like that and see what they say. See if they know that there's storm damage, that they saw it because they were at home while you were at work. Look and see if you have damage to your car. 
Um, you know, those are things that you can do without endangering yourself to get on the roof. Um, look and see if you have damage to your screens, to your sidings. Again, that's you don't have to even get on the roof for that. Kind of from the ground, you can maybe see if you have damage to your uh, gutters and stuff, soft metals and things like that. It's going to be dense holes in your stuff, dents in your car, it's pretty easy to, to distinguish. As you get onto the roof, it's a little bit more difficult to tell exactly what you're looking for. Um, it's going to take hail that's about the size of a quarter, and it will cause a an imprint and a dimple and kind of a what they call bruising, and it knocks the granules off of the shingles. It can be very difficult to see up front, and that's why it's important after a storm that you have seen hail that is at at least the size of a quarter to take a look at it and see if you can find any of these things because if you see one it's indicative of 10 more that you may not be able to see so after a big hailstorm take a look and see if you have trees limbs uh, large hailstorms will knock limbs out of trees you'll you'll see things poking up in the ground dents in the ground dents in your your car and then if you know that there's a hailstorm there Give a roofer a call. Tell them to come out and take a look at it. Um, it's definitely important because it may void your warranty, and it, it might be something that your insurance is supposed to cover. Well, is uh, you know, if you say you, you've gotten hit and it knocks some of the the granules off your, you know, is that something that is is reportable to an insurance company? If if you're seeing it in one place, like you say, it's probably in ten or more places. So is that something that is that would be something you would turn in on insurance? For sure. Well, warranty, speaking in terms of warranty, you have a warranty from the manufacturer on the product. And um, if, if the manufacturer is not liable, the way they shift that liability in this case is every manufacturer, well, most of the reputable manufacturers, the warranty after a hailstorm that Christopher just mentioned was, say, quarter or nickel-sized hail uh, is usually voided. So you don't have a manufacturer's warranty after a big enough hailstorm. And they have these radar programs that keep up with these and they can see the density of the hail the size you know the frequency and and everything so all that's just public information these days and what the way they word this is they no longer warranty that roof after the hailstorm because the shingles will deteriorate at an accelerated rate and when christopher mentioned this bruising you know we we had one in hillsborough and we followed this roof because they didn't get it replaced after a major hailstorm and i think they were the only people in the area but a couple years later, you ride by, and it looks like the roof was just pelted with golf balls. Like a so, Dalmatian puppy. Yeah, wow. it was bad. I mean, you could see it from the ground, from the road even. And, uh, you know, they missed their window because it depends on the insurance company. But I believe most of them have about a one-year window. We've talked to a couple that give people three-year windows. But say you had uh, say you had a hailstorm last year that damaged your property, and we talk about this today, and you go outside and you look at your uh, mailbox or your gutters like Christopher mentioned you see wow there's dimples everywhere and say you report that claim but you changed insurance companies around Christmas time well the insurance company that insured you last year would still be liable for that so it's not a done deal or a missed opportunity rather if if you didn't know that you had damage and you didn't file it last year most cases they will honor that okay so right. so you should go uh, go to the uh, uh, manufacturer of the uh, well your roofer I guess or, or whoever the mm-hmm. the, the uh, warranty that's your first stop before you go to your insurance? No. Um, well, the way this works, step one would be, like Christopher said, call a local roofer, call somebody that you know or a reference and, and get them to take a look. Um, you know, you don't want to file the claim first, definitely. Those those claims will follow you. From my insurance days back in my 20s, I learned that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a if the insurance company paid anything or not. If you file that claim, they send an adjuster out. All of a sudden, they spent three or $400, and they've got some skin in the game. They put that... They put that claim on your history, and no matter how many times you switch insurance companies, that claim will follow you forever. 
And many times insurance companies, when the homeowner calls in, will ask, the first thing they ask is, have you had a roofer to, to verify this? And mm-hmm. so there's, there's a little bit of a fail safe there, but you, you know, you want to know that you have damage before you file a claim for, in our case, we're not going to come up to your door, knock on your door and tell you that you have hail damage. Um, you may call us out for something else and, or a roof replacement estimate or a repair. And while we're up there, we see it. And we know because of the programs that Donnie was talking about where there's hail in this area last year, or whatever, we'll let a homeowner know about that to say, Hey, this is what, what it looks like up there. You may want to contact your insurance company. Okay. Well, we've got a couple of minutes left, so do uh, you want to recap anything well, that we've been talking about or, or things we need thing. to know? Uh, a lot of people say, hey, well, if I file a claim and they do pay out and it's legitimate and I did have hail damage, will mm-hmm. that make my insurance go up? And the answer to that is no. Uh, the insurance industry still considers a hailstorm an act of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that make your insurance go up are man-made perils, peril being you know cause of the loss or why you had damage. Um, but an insurance, I'm, I'm sorry, a hailstorm still considered you know just a, a a weather activity and the way your insurance goes up is if a hailstorm hits a whole zip code so 27217 has hailstorm that that passed across you know the northern part of the county there and uh in that case whether you file a claim or not your premiums are probably going to go up just because so many people in your area file claims okay yeah we had a uh, we had a an insurance uh person here a little earlier and, they, and someone said why is my insurance going up well they said well because of all of the claims out on the coast yeah. because of the hurricanes that's and that it. sort of Absolutely. thing so uh you know you have that uh we're all kind of in the same boat it seems like yeah okay uh so how uh any 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 parting words before we uh have to ride down the road here oh no just uh give us a call if you need anything uh roofing related and we'll be happy to help with whatever i think we got a, a flooring call last week and a, and a deck call and we're always happy to help with those things and if it's something that we're too busy to get to we know the right people and we can point you in the right direction Okay. And thank you for having me on. I'd love to be yeah. back. And Happy birthday, man. Yeah. Thank you. Happy thank birthday. You. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's great. You get your free lunch, so Absolutely. we haven't <laughs> forgot that, and uh, you, you've got witnesses out there, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, uh, Donnie, Chris, and uh, we will be back next week, same time, with the Carolina Contractor Show, and you can...